Amen. So we are in our summer series called Big Words, um, which means I can just do one week at a time and they don't have to all fit together. But I tried to do love last time before Michael Grant was here and I didn't get finished. So this is love too inside big words. So we are going to do, uh, we're going to talk about love. We'll be in, um, first Corinthians chapter 13, but first, Michael Grant wanted me to share a few things with you guys. He was absolutely astounded by the offering, by the way, just letting you know. He was hoping, he, he was letting himself hope for 1500. He, he wasn't letting himself hope beyond that. He thought, well, a thousand is probably reasonable, maybe 1500. That'd be 500 for the one home, a thousand for the other. And, uh, here we got, 6,500 and another 500 in the evening meeting in Big Fork. So $7,008 to the orphanages. I got to tell you, that is really, really cool. Um, it's making a huge, huge difference. And I'm trying to figure out how to say good job effectively. But I don't, I don't know that I can do that because Man, oh man, I'm gonna try. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go all Bible on you with this one too. We're gonna, but first I'm gonna read, uh, I'm gonna read what, uh, Michael Grant, he sent me a message and it said this. I am home and sharing the good news about my trip and all the blessings that go with it, more so the offering that was collected. It has brought great joy to all those I have shared it with so far. I really want to thank you again for being a true servant of God. You can say a big thank you to your congregation on my behalf tomorrow and let them know that I have left a part of me with you guys and that I have taken a part of you guys with back to Jamaica. So, amen. Very glad to be able to participate in something like that. He did go on the hayride, yeah, on Wednesday night. Yeah, Jim, Jamaican Mike on the hayride. He got to have a, quite a few firsts in his life. It was the coldest weather he's ever experienced in his life. Uh, when he was here, the first of July was the coldest. Got down to 45 at night and he's never, he didn't go outside, but he was, he was less like, man, is it cold out there? And a few other firsts. So it was really exciting. One of the things that's really cool about that is, is, uh, you know, this, this and Big Fork, the only white churches he's ever preached at. Only, you know, only Caribbean churches and black churches like in, in, uh, the south of, uh, Florida. But this is the only, and then Big Fork, the only white churches he's ever spoken in his life. And he was able to have an experience of white culture that he didn't think was real. Hallelujah. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I told you that the United States does not need to hear about Jesus. It needs to be shown. It needs to be demonstrated who God is, what a difference Jesus can make in the life of a human being, and what it would mean for a group of people to act towards each other how God outlines in the Bible. They need to see it happening. They need to see it functioning. People have heard about Jesus, but they've heard about Jesus from people, you know, who maybe don't like them 
or who want them to do something differently and all these different things. And these people aren't fully living the life that God has called them to live. And so what we want to do is demonstrate what God can do in our lives personally and what it would mean to have a group of people following Christ truly. If we show people what it's like to follow Christ, then we will advance the kingdom of God. And I believe there are 88 orphans in Jamaica who have been shown what it means for a group of people to follow Christ and to see a need and fill it. It's exciting. It's very, very exciting. And I believe we're just getting started. You know, we had 162 people on Sunday last week, and uh, that's great. What if we had 500? What would the offering have been then? How much need could have been met then? How many needs are going unmet? You know, I figured it out. Uh, the, the orphanages in Jamaica, they saw a $6,000 a month decline in their income. And that's why we took the offering and all that stuff. If everybody in Cloquet, just the city limits of Cloquet, who doesn't go to church, put in to meet that need for the orphanages in Jamaica, it would be 67 cents a month. If everybody who's not in church today gave 67 cents a month it would take to make up that need. How many people want to be involved in the things of God, but they think if they go to church, they're just going to be stuck, you know, standing up and sitting down and, you know, trying to do church, trying to connect with God, but it doesn't really quite work. You know what I mean? Have you ever been in that place where you want to connect with God, but church just doesn't seem to work? You ever been there? Got a few people with me. A few people with me. Let's not be like that. Have revival in your own heart. Share it with one another. We will see the power of God explode. We are talking about love. And uh, let's go to Matthew chapter 25. And we will see how Jesus describes love. Did you know the opposite of love is not hate? I think you can love and hate somebody, the same person. I heard somebody say, and I think they're right, the opposite of love is selfishness. The opposite of caring about you is only caring about me and probably not even noticing you. The opposite of love is selfishness. Now, here in Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is describing, uh, boy, the end times when, when His return happens and all kinds of stuff goes on. And He's separating the sheep from the goats. You know, the, the you're in and the you're not in. And here's how He describes it from Matthew chapter 25. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, He will sit on His throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate the people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. Then the King will say to those on His right, Come, you who are blessed by My Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave Me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. 
I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. You know, the the greatest commandment Jesus said was to love God, and then the second one is to love your neighbor. I was talking to my boys this week about love, and one of the things that I wasn't sure they were catching on was love notices. Love will notice things. Love will see things, will be aware of things. If I love my wife, which I do, good to see you, then I will notice things that she may need. I will be aware of it. If I'm just self-centered and I don't, I mean, maybe I say I love her, but I just never notice anything. I'm just never aware of what's going on with her. Then she's going to have needs and things that I'll just never be aware of. And that's not love. What Jesus is explaining in the sheep and the goats is, If you're going to live the life of love that God has commanded us to live, then it's a life where we notice and where we take action. He's saying when you notice one of the least of these has a need and you take action, that's showing love to your neighbor, but it's showing love to the Lord. And we did that (laughs) last week. Praise God. Isn't that exciting? You know, most of the time the preacher gets to chew people out and say, you should be doing this better. But I am just so thrilled and excited that we're seeing an impact in the world because of what we're doing here. That's great. It's so exciting. So exciting. Love notices and love takes action. All right. We are going to... Now go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to read 1 through 7 quickly and then we'll go through 8 through 13 a little more slowly. So recap 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Is love important to God? Yeah, it's really important. All of these other things would be pretty impressive. 
casting mountains into the, you know, moving mountains, uh, giving everything you have to the poor and surrendering your body to the flames. If, if you could do all of those things, but you don't have love for others, if you don't have love for God, then what does that count for? It's not what God's kingdom is about. God's kingdom is about love, first and foremost. Let's go to the next uh, next slide. Here's a description of love. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. What if those few verses were what described Christianity? When people thought, what is a Christian like if it was these verses? What if that was the case rather than, you know, judgmental hypocrites? (laughs) Wouldn't that be good? That'd be great. That'd be really, really great. Now, this is what we're working for. This is where we're trying to get. But it's a process. Amen? Amen. We got to put up with one another. If we're going to... Did you know forgiveness is also really important in the kingdom of God? If we're going to interact with each other effectively, we need to forgive. Why is that? Because we'll fall short of this. There will be times when this doesn't happen in your life. And then you have to learn to forgive. Then we can start over. All right, let's go on to verse 8. 1 Corinthians 13.8 Love never fails. Love never fails. Hallelujah. Love never fails. I, I read that and it took me a while. I think I understand what it means. Love never fails. How long does never go on for what what if it never fails how long does love continue it continues forever love goes on forever however where there are prophecies they will cease where there are tongues they will be stilled where there is knowledge it will pass away love never fails some things are temporary, and some things are eternal. Is there going to be coffee in heaven? Trinette, Trinette, when she was a little kid, I got to share this one because it was great. When she was a little kid, her parents, great Christian family, you know, they're awesome, taught her young about God. And she was yay big and she had a doll whose name was Nino. The doll was Nino. And so Trinette asked her parents, does Nino go to heaven too? And they thought, I don't, I don't think so. Nino is just a doll. Nino doesn't have a soul. Nino doesn't go to heaven. And she thought, what? What kind of God is this? They won't bring Nino to heaven. That's terrible. She was quite upset. So she didn't understand the difference between the things that are temporary and the things that are eternal. There are things that are temporary and there are things that are eternal. The eternal things 
are of greater significance than the temporary things. Amen? Now, is prophecy eternal or temporary? Temporary. How about wisdom? Temporary. Spiritual gifts like prophecy, tongues, knowledge, all these things are going to pass away. You know, there are people who have a a healing gift, but nobody's going to need healing in heaven. That gifting is temporary. It's going to be taken away. Do you know, I'm Pastor Mike here on earth. In heaven, I'm going to be Mike. (laughs) Because there's going to be no need for pastors in heaven. My job is going to be eliminated. And I'm going to be Mike. I'm looking forward to that. I was like, I liked being Mike before. Now, in fact, I don't always tell people. You know, I'm just like, hey, I'm Mike, whatever, you know, because when you tell them I'm Pastor Mike, you know, then they, people start acting weird. You know that? They, they, they talk very differently. You know, you might hear a little King James in there. You definitely, you're not going to get any swear words, that's for sure, because I might tell God and then they'd get in trouble, you know. I don't, know. I don't know how that quite works, but people start, people act funny when you tell them you're Pastor Mike. Uh, I'm looking forward to being Mike. But this is who I am now. This is a temporary situation. There are lots of things that are temporary. Good Hope Church is temporary. Do you know that? There's not going to be a Good Hope Church in heaven. Do you know that? Darn. Oh, well. We'll still... Now, now get this, though. We'll be able to bring some things from here to heaven. Because love never fails. The relationships that you build here, the love of God relationships between people, you can bring that relationship to heaven because that is eternal. If I say I love you brother to Aaron, that is eternal. Our our jobs here, the the giftings we have, all that stuff is relevant for here, a broken world. But it's not going to be relevant in heaven. We'll have all different jobs. I've already put in a request. Do you know that... I have. You know, there's going to be a great big city, the New Jerusalem, this great big humongous monster city. And uh, they're going to need to eat. So I I told God, hey, can I have like an orchard out of town a little ways? And I'll I'll like pick the fruit, I'll put it in a cart, and I'll have a couple horses, and we'll bring it into town. Wouldn't that be a great job? So that's my request. We'll find out. You'll be the bread taster. All right. I am fully convinced that ribeye steaks are going to grow on trees. Firmly convinced. Because we won't get to kill any cows or anything, but there has to be ribeye, right? There has to be. Love never fails. Some things are temporary. Some things are eternal. Be wise and know. What can you bring to heaven with you? Let me ask you a few questions. Can you bring your theology to heaven? 
I mean, how smart would you have to be to be able to have it all figured out and not need any adjustment in heaven? You know what I'm saying? We don't know much. We know a little bit. You can't bring your theology to heaven because it's it's infantile. We already said, can you bring Good Hope Church to heaven? You can't. This is a temporary situation. In fact, if... Are you ready? I'm going to scare you. I'm going to scare you real bad. If God were in charge, there'd be only one church. But we prefer division. Rather than following the way God would want it. That's unfortunate. Because it, it tells people something wrong about who God is. God is not the God of quarreling and nitpicky arguments. Our God is the God of love, the God of mercy, the God of grace, the God of justice, the God of eternal life and abundant life. Not the God of nitpicky quarrels. We should not represent Him in that way. Love is a treasure that you store up in heaven because it remains. We can keep going. We know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. All the things you think you know that make you smarter than somebody else, all the prophetic words, the understanding of the the mysteries, that all goes away. It presupposes imperfection. And we will be in the midst of perfection. And the good news is, love never fails. Love remains. The love that we build right here, right now, continues for eternity. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's go to verse 11. Hmm. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. I looked up this word child, and the Greek word, basically what it means is is that you can't speak. That means like you're, that's pretty little. You know, like too young to really be able to speak. That's what the the literal translation would be like, not speak. That's the word child in the Greek. So this is, so, so Paul, the Apostle Paul is calling the Corinthians babies here. That's what he's doing. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. How does a little toddler think? What is this childish stuff that the Apostle Paul is talking about? Do you need to teach a three-year-old to be selfish? (laughs) It's pretty hard to curb that. If there's a cookie in the room, whose cookie is it? It's If you're three, it's clearly your cookie. If there are two three-year-olds and two cookies, whose cookies are they? 
They're both mine. Right? If I eat my cookie and there's still a cookie left, that's my cookie. Because I want that cookie. I don't care about this other three-year-old. They don't need a cookie. It's my cookie. You guys remember being three, I can tell. Selfishness is the opposite of love. Selfishness is something we're all born into. The question is, do we advance out of it into love or not? We are all born into selfishness. We were all born into this situation where we talk like a child, we think like a child, we reason like a child. It's my cookie. Did you notice some people never get past that? They're still there. Now the sad part about it is a self-centered world is a very small world. There is a great, big, wonderful world out there to be a part of. If you're only part of your little world, it's a, boy, it's not who you were meant to be. You were meant to be part of something much bigger than that. The Corinthians that Paul is talking to were embroiled in division. Remember, we did that whole series on division, and we did it in 1 Corinthians. And so Paul, he's You know, chapter 13 is between chapter 12 and chapter 14, where he's talking about the Holy Spirit and spiritual gifts and how do you deal with that. And then he's got to put all this stuff about love in the middle because that can cause all kinds of problems and division and issues. And so he's talking to people who are embroiled in division. And he says, look, when I was a child, I was childish. Now I'm not. And he's hoping they will get beyond that. Beyond the squabbles, beyond the fights, into a place where they can see each other as valuable and where they can recognize, ooh, do the squabbles, are they temporary or eternal? How about the squabbles? Do you want to hang on to them? Do you want to keep them? It is required that they be gone because heaven will not have squabbles. There will be none of those. The selfishness brought division, brought fighting, brought contention. You can't have division and the kingdom of God at the same time. Those two just don't go together. We need to love one another. Now, is it, again, do we love one another because we're perfect? I love Aaron because he's perfect. Woo. Or might there be another reason? We need to love each other with the love of God. Seeing us for who God made us to be. I heard a, an example about an old car uh, one time on the radio. Uh, there was a guy, who's a, we got any car buffs? Anybody like old cars? Somebody name an old type of car. A Hudson. A Hudson. Do you have a year? No. 
Well, we're going with a Hudson. Anybody know what a Hudson is? I have no idea. All right. So, going with a Hudson. All right. So there's a guy who's got a Hudson, and it is a piece of junk. You know, it barely starts on a cold July morning, and uh, it's just not good. It smells funny. It's really noisy and rattles, and it's all icky, and he's just sick of it. One day, uh, he's complaining about it at work. It's like, man, I got a junker of a Hudson car. And the, another guy hears him and is like, really? Yeah, it's a piece of junk. Really, a piece of junk. It's not worth much then. I'm like, no. <laughs> My car? He's like, well, you know, I kind of wanted a Hudson. Would you be willing to sell it? He's like, yeah, I guess. The other guy says, and of course, it's not worth much, right? Because he's a junk. He's like, yeah. Like, would you take 500 for it? He's like, sure. 500 bucks for that piece of junk? That thing is, is garbage. It's a garbage car. So he buys it for 500 bucks. He takes it home, cleans it up, gets, uh, gets it all detailed, fixes the exhaust, adjusts the carburetor. It's starting to run real nice. Gets it all detailed. It smells good now. Gets a new paint job. And man, that thing is purring. And, uh, he drives by where the other guy lives. The other, other guy's out raking his yard, you know. And it, and he sees the car go by and, and he says, Hey, I used to have a car like that, but mine was a piece of junk. That's a really nice one. Jesus sees us through our potential, through, he, through who he meant us to be not through our mistakes and our failures and our sin and our guilt. He wants to get rid of that so that we can be the fullness of who He created us to be. And if we can do the same thing for one another, see each other through the eyes of Jesus, then we want them forgiven, we want them delivered, we want them strengthened and overcoming so that they can be in the place of strength that God has called them to. Because we love them. Now we see, but a poor reflection as in a mirror. One of the things little kids, they go through a stage, I guess when they get a little bit older, where they think they know it all. Anybody been there? Where you think you've got everything figured out. That's your 20s? I don't know. Selfish and thinking you understand everything. Paul says here, now we see but a poor reflection as in a mirror. He's saying, we don't, we don't know much here. We don't understand a whole lot. Paul was very aware of what he didn't know. We don't know much. This childish thinking is selfish and thinks it understands when it doesn't. You know, there's a lot of Christians in that situation. I, you know, um, I think it would be great to be able to pay for all the needs of the orphanages in Jamaica. Can you do that with a 30-person church? No. We'd be pressing it with a 500-person church. So if you want little church and... I've heard so many people say, well, you know, the church is supposed to take care of everybody's needs. Well, then show up and start giving millions of dollars because, wow, is that going to take a lot? And we get, what, you know, 15% of the population goes to church? It's just not going to happen. 
going to need a whole lot more people. Love notices. Love sees what's going on. Did you know that you may be called to notice something today? I had, I had one person one time tell me how, how much the church was not succeeding because he said, well, I was there in the entryway and there was a person who no one was talking to. And that person stood there for a while and nobody talked to him. And then that person walked over to the one side, sort of stood there awkwardly, and then walked out and no one talked to him. Well, what do you think you were supposed to do if you're the only one who noticed? Then talk to him. Yes, true story. True story. True story. So guess what? You may be called to talk to somebody after church today. You may be the one who notices. Have you heard the phrase, it takes a village to raise a child? It takes all of us to love one another. One person can't do that. It's completely impossible. If we expected Trinette to notice everything and deal with everything, she would have a very unpleasant life. She would cry. She's already feeling overwhelmed, just me mentioning that. I'm sorry. Uh. It takes a community to express the love of God. Everybody needs to do their part or we just won't notice things. We need to be able to see, but that's going to take the entire body. Verse 13. And now these three remain. So Paul is saying, boy, there's all this stuff going on. There's all these different ways that people understand things. Man, is there a bunch of stuff going on. What is the most important stuff? Did you know two of these are temporary? <laughs> Who has faith? Who hopes for what they already have? We have faith in God because we have not attained to the promises yet. We hope in the return of Christ and everlasting life. We hope in that, but there will come a time where we're living it. and We won't hope in that. We'll be in the middle of it. Three things, Paul says. If you want to get down to the bottom line, these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The greatest is love because love never fails. It's eternal. It's something that we can bring with us. We can't bring the coffee. I can't bring my nice shirt that I bought when we went shopping with Michael Grant. You know the Jamaicans, they buy real shiny clothes, so I thought I should buy shiny clothes too so I could fit in. Then he could tell me apart from everybody else. But... Uh, <laughs> What's that? 
Love is the thing that lasts. Even faith. How important is faith? We call it the faith. You know, Christianity, you know. We call it the faith. (laughs) Faith is very important. How about hope? Who would get up in the morning without hope? Faith, hope, and love. Those three remain. The greatest is love. We need to walk by faith. We need to have an abiding hope. But we need to cultivate the love of God between each other because it is the thing that will remain. Get out of selfishness. Get out of thinking you know everything. And get into that place where you notice other people's needs and take action. That is the love of God. We're going to close. Of course, the most important thing is that you can't share something you don't have. If I don't know what it's like to be loved by God, to be seen for who I'm supposed to be, the valuable person, the eternal creation of God. If I don't know who I am in Christ, how can I love someone else and be in that place of maturity? So the first thing is to know the love of God for yourself. It's vitally important or you will have nothing to share. How do I share the love of God when I'm not feeling it myself? When I'm not living it myself? When I haven't received it? It's important. It's important to forgive other people. But unless you're willing to be forgiven yourself, you won't be able to walk in the fullness of Christ. Did you know it's rebellion against God to hold things against yourself? Did you know that? Something you did when you were a teenager, something you did when you were a young adult, something you did two weeks ago? It's rebellion against what Jesus did on the cross to hold that against yourself. You're going to have to let that go. You're going to have to let that go. Then you can know the love of God. And then you can truly share the love of God. I'm going to close in prayer and then uh, I'll invite the prayer team forward. If you have a prayer need, if you want to fully, if you're having trouble fully grasping the love of God for yourself, I invite you to come forward after I close. If you have any type of need, come forward. We'll pray and believe God for miracles. God does mighty things. But let's close right now and just believe Him for the love He has for us. Heavenly Father, I thank You for the grace that You've shown us. I thank You, Lord, that Your love never fails, that Your love is eternal, that Your love for us is something that we can't quench. We can only run from it and not receive it. But Lord, why would we? 
So we yield to you. We yield to your love. We yield to your forgiving power. Make us free. Make us clean. Help us to know the love you have for us. I pray you'd encourage each one of us and give us strength and walk with us each day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.